Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Positively Trek, deep into season three of Star Trek Picard, which is going to be a a topic of some conversation in this episode, because my co-host, Barry... I hear is all caught up. Right. Barry, how's it going? <laughs> I am doing very well, Dan. Thank you very much for asking. Uh, I had some issues with my account up here in uh, in Canada. We don't use Paramount Plus. We use an equally frustrating um, streaming <laughs> service up here called Crave, which I was able to finally get up and running properly and all is well and happy and good and well in the world. I was able to uh, get uh, episode eight watched today and I did, I did another big marathon like I did for Prodigy. So so if I get my episodes kind of mixed up and put together and uh, torn apart, that's all. But I have lots to say today, and um, I have good things overall, but I do have some... I there, There's a couple of tropes I want to talk about as well, not necessarily as a bad thing, but definitely like, that's Star Trek for you, but we'll get mm-hmm. into that in a little while. <laughs> I, have been, I have been utterly enjoying Picard, and I do have to say, like, not getting to it as fast as I would have liked sucked, but it means that I was able to watch it with all of my focus, and that's what I think Star Trek Picard desperately needs, is your focus, because it is... Yeah. There's a lot happening. No, that's really cool. I'm really excited. Uh, so yeah, let this just serve as the warning to the listener. Uh, we don't tend to do episode reviews and stuff on this podcast anymore, but that said, I do want to say we are going to probably have spoilers up to and including Picard season three, episode eight, and that episode is surrender. So just be on the lookout for, uh, spoilers. If you haven't watched that yet, maybe hold off on listening to this episode until then. But, uh, we're not just talking about Star Trek Picard, but that is going to come into it. I think a lot in the feature discussion, which I kind of want to do just a general talk about where we feel the future of Star Trek on television is going because we've had a lot of shifts and changes in the last few weeks, one of which is the big news story that's going to kick off the the news cycle for this week. I uh, actually came out last week, but we want to talk about it. And that is the announcement of a new Star Trek series that's going into production in 2024, Star Trek Starfleet Academy. So, Barry, what are your initial thoughts on this development? Well... Starfleet Academy has always been sort of floating above the shoulder of our some of our captains, especially I think that was explored with uh, with Picard, right? Of course, uh, getting stabbed through the heart as a cadet, um, kind of getting to relive his life. Then I really I really got to imagine Starfleet Academy a lot better through TNG, and it, you know obviously it shows up again. We get our kind of double Paris uh, uh, when he originally shows up in TNG, and then he's in Voyager, and you know. I don't know. There's always that kind of feel of of Academy sort of being this thing, right? And and it gets it gets warped a little bit in the JJ Star Trek. Uh, I find it's more of like a like a like they say like a peacekeeping armada that you can join up in. Whereas like Starfleet Academy to me was kind of more like getting a master's degree in something uh, or a doctorate degree, and like getting accepted was like 
almost like basically their version of winning a lottery or something like that. It's based on a meritocracy. So Starfleet Academy has always loomed large in my mind. What about yourself? Well, I'm definitely interested to explore it more. I'm I'm one of those people that I'm I'm not necessarily particularly excited about the concept that said it's star trek i'll check it out and very likely based on past experience i'll really enjoy it but uh, i i think it's not necessary that every fan enjoy everything that star trek put puts out like this will be the sixth television series produced since enterprise ended which it was seventh if you count short treks really i can't imagine that every star trek fan out there loves every one of these shows and i know for a fact that's not the case so i feel like when you have that many shows there's kind of room for you to pick and choose what you like what you dislike maybe this show will be marketed to an audience that isn't necessarily you and me Now, that's the case with Star Trek Prodigy, and I love Star Trek Prodigy, so, you know, I'll probably still love it. But, yeah, I'm I'm really curious to see what they do with this. This, of course, is is a concept that's been floating around even longer than I initially thought. So, Harv Bennett was really kind of pushing this idea for the sixth the sixth Star Trek film, which became the undiscovered country, they went in a different direction, but he initially wanted to do a Starfleet Academy type movie at that point, which I thought was kind of the first time this was bandied about. But apparently I recently found out that Star Trek, the animated series in the seventies, one of the proposals put forward was like a Starfleet Academy show showing Kirk and Spock in their younger years before they became officers on the enterprise And Gene Roddenberry was the one that said, no, if we're doing Star Trek, we're doing Star Trek with the original actors. We can never have another crew other than our original actors. Changed his mind on that a few years later, obviously, but interesting to hear those words. So, uh, yeah, it's it's something that has been in the cultural zeitgeist, I think, for a long, long time. And I think it's time they got it out of their systems. Let's see what they can do with it now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th- I think about like Muppet Babies, for instance, mm-hmm. you know, the, the ones that, mm-hmm. or um, Little Rosie. There was actually a Roseanne cartoon way back in the day that was like the cartoon young version. <laughs> so, I mean, those were wildly successful. I can't imagine this not being. Yeah, come on, Tiny Toons, right? <laughs> I think ultimately you're right that sometimes kind of all the directions that they're heading in trying to get stuff like section 31 still kind of floating in the air with discovery, you know, leaving Picard, obviously leaving, they're trying to replace with something that's going to be long-term. And I think Jesse is correct that we're going to have strange new worlds for another minute or so. Um, And then Mm. they're going to kind of move stuff because strange new worlds is flying real close to the TOS sun. And as much as I think they are willing to kind of, poke and prod at canon a little bit here and there. Uh, And we'll get into Strange New Worlds in just a sec. I have a lot to say about that as well. I do think they're trying to look for something that they can really um, get some some mileage out of. And Starfleet Academy, there's people coming and going a lot. It could be like Saved by the Bell, but in space. Um, or it could be more serious. It could be like they could really take this in a lower decks direction. They could. I often, and, and this is where the spoilers uh, starts talking. I really, 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 really hope they don't, at least until like the third or fourth season, do a Starfleet is compromised uh, plotline. Mm-hmm. I'm a little tired of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that for sure. <laughs> like, what is like, 
it is weak at the top. Holy cow. Like, where is your security? Where are your, your countermeasures? I know we're dealing with galactic threats here, but come on. Anyways, um, yeah. So that's my thoughts on Starfleet Academy. Yeah. No, and I totally get that. Uh, even just from a practical point of view, if they're looking at something that's going to have some longevity and last for a while, if you're doing Starfleet Academy, you're going to have a young cast. It's possible this could be the breakout hit and the faces of this cast are going to be the faces of Star Trek for decades to come. You know, these could be characters that people absolutely fall in love with and you've got them young. You can have them show up for years and years and years afterwards, right? Uh, some of the the wording on the press release and stuff, there's like threats to the Federation and the Academy itself. So, you know, they're they're flirting with that so it's a little uh, worrisome maybe but uh we'll see where it goes i guess let's see where it goes but i'm happy with what what's coming up next here um the idea of uh another season of strange new worlds what did you think mm -hmm. of those posters those posters were awesome i mean the one of the main reasons i put this in the news though that we got those posters on first contact day was because that's all the news we got on yeah. first contact day. Yeah. These, these posters are gorgeous. I I'd be lying if I said one of them wasn't one of my phone backgrounds right now. Nice. So I might, might cycle through a few of them. They're pretty cool. I have to say the uniform game is extremely on point. Um, oh yes. <laughs> I deeply, deeply want one of those uniforms. I'm, I'm a bit of a uniform collector favorites of mine. Obviously I have an original series, uh, Kirk captain from, I believe the second or third season, I think third season. And then, uh, I had a TNG one um, that just got a little too small for me. I was doing too many Picard maneuvers, and then I blew up the, the shoulder pads on it. Um, and then I have a Voyager one that unfortunately gave up the ghost recently, too. It's just uh, wearing them too much. Uh, I wore them to school too often, and that uh, that that did the trick because <laughs> I'm running around and all that sort of stuff. But uh, I would definitely want to uh, approach how to get one of these, but of course with... Uh, the Anovos implosion. I'm not terribly certain where one could find them, but eventually you end up finding them on on like Amazon and stuff. I find you can you can usually find a yeah. Those Strange New Worlds uniforms are pretty sharp. I have to say, from the New Trek era, the current you know season two and three Star Trek Picard uniforms. Mm -hmm. There's something about those. I think they're sharp. And then with the like movie era style stripe down the pant leg, like that just oh. I fall in love. <laughs> yeah, I, I I have to agree with you. Like the the way they they pin and everything like that is great. And I guess maybe that's why I like uh, Doctor Mbanga's the most. Yeah, the, that medical tunic. Oh, it's just there's something about it. It's got it's got a sleek look to it. I'm extremely excited to uh, to see, and they look comfortable too, right? And and obviously. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're not. Maybe the, those poor actors have to pour themselves into those each time. But uh, for someone like myself who's going to get an approximated sizing, if I can ever get my hands on one, or I could maybe go the direction of Uhura because that one zips up. There's just a, a number of different styles, right? Her, her cadet uniform mm -hmm. is slightly different. But I do have to say, like the old Starfleet pullover with the, like, the, the bright, bright colors. For me, I don't know. There's just something about it. 
I'd like to go it's to a re- iconic. Yeah, I'd love to go to a Renaissance fair. This has probably been done before. Um, I'd <laughs> oh love, yeah, I'd love to go to a Renaissance <laughs> fair and just like dress up that way with like a tricorder and and walk around and just like crash the party, kind of. One of my favorite things that I've seen somebody speculate about doing. I don't know that this actually happened or if they thought this would just be a fun thing. Was like, if you're a Star Trek fan who's at a Ren fair and actually like dressed in peri- period costumes. And then another Star Trek fan shows up and pulls that gag where they're investigating this, you know, primitive planet walking around with their landing party. You run up to them, pull them aside and pull out a Star Trek badge and say, hey, what are you doing? Prime Directive, guys, geez, <laughs> <laughs> I'm in, I'm embedded here. What are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> You're from Fifth Fleet, aren't you? You guys never follow the rules. Oh, friggin' Delta Shift, probably. Yeah, and you're probably on Delta Shift. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love it. Well, yeah, as you mentioned, too, we did get this other news from Corgi UK, uh, another company that has announced new Star Trek model Starship plans. And uh, they've had the license in the past. I think I have a Corgi Enterprise D somewhere. They've done some good stuff in the past, but basically just like, you know, the Enterprise D and a Klingon Bird of Prey or something like that. Like very limited. Not counting what they did for Star Trek II, I'm seeing in this as well. Apparently they had uh, a couple models come out for Star Trek The Vengeance of Khan, as it was called on their packaging, Mm. uh, before the title was finalized, I guess, so... They've been in the game a while. Yeah, and and I mean, I don't really like to pass judgment on toy makers from the 70s. It was a wild time. <laughs> like, just looking at the toys from that time, holy crow. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, attention to detail is something that most people are looking for. Because for most people, and, and I, I showed you a picture uh, in my uh, in my office, the, the spread of starsh- starships that I have. There's also two on my desk, and then there's another one that I have in another room, and then I have another one in front of me right now I have the Bozeman um, attention to detail is really important and these aren't toys that one necessarily like plays with and makes space noises with and stuff these are things that that people are going to want to collect and and put up much as much as our our, uh, our grandparents would put up like Hummel dolls and stuff like that it's a, it's a collection it's something that expresses ourselves and it's something that we love so I'm hopeful that that Corgi is going to be trying to pull at the stops and uh, try to fill that eagle moth shaped uh, gap uh, of UK starship producers. Mm-hmm, definitely. And yeah, these ones from uh, the vengeance of Khan, as you can tell, aren't, aren't the most screen accurate. No, <laughs> I do remember that enterprise D of theirs looking pretty sharp. So speaking of sharp, if I, if, 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 what I remember is correct. The Enterprise D would be big enough to sort of, it was all metal, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, and you could whip it real hard in the end. The, the saucer section was actually kind of sharp because I think we ended up putting like a, a sickle-shaped dent in my cousin's drywall with it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, we whipped that thing. We we, we, we did way more damage than uh, than the D even got when it was uh, when it was brought down into a gravity well. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, chipped the paint and everything. Wow. So if, if if that's right, then Corgi also makes durable um, starships mm-hmm. too, because that thing did survive. It was like, you know, scratched up and had crap on it, but otherwise it was fine. Yeah. Yeah. As far as I remember, all metal, you know, die cast, tough stuff. So mm-hmm. yeah, we could get some pretty cool stuff. I'm eager to see what their line is going to look like. I'm sure... Much to the chagrin of a lot of collectors out there, we'll get kind of the big starships that have been done a million times to start out with. Uh, I don't think we'll ever get kind of the range that Eagle Moss did. Like, I'm not 
I'm guessing we won't see a Zindi insectoid ship or, uh, you know, holographic freighter from insurrection or something like that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, some of the more, I, I would love to see a Titan a obviously from Picard, some of the stuff from discovery and the proto star from prodigy. I mean, you know, these are screaming to be made at this point. Well, and, and I think that is a really good point. The, the new designs have been a blast to watch. And, and I mean, one of the things I've loved about Picard is the new ship designs. Um, just, the way they the way they have that kind of old new sleek formatting to them I, I really have to say i've fallen in love with the titan in a really good way mm-hmm. i love the interior i love the bridge um, as you were kind of talking i think we were talking about the idea that like dark bridges are here to stay um that's pretty much it at this point uh, i do like the well-lit bridge too but i understand for cinematic purposes and just making it look cool and i think and this might be incorrect but i do actually think that bridges on most like specialty ships that would be necessarily like part of fleets and stuff are typically lower in their lighting uh, Mm -hmm. if if i remember correctly so you know militarily i think it makes sense well yeah it's it's definitely a different era we've gotten into in design and stuff Mm. so uh you know i I don't know i i think there's room for multiple iterations and maybe we'll see a brightly lit tng-esque bridge at some point (laughs) who knows but uh you know maybe shaw just likes the lights turned low or something yeah (laughs) Um, actually just, you know, thinking about, about finding models of ships you like and stuff. I'm also a fan of the, the TV series, The Expanse, and, Mm -hmm. um, do have to say, like, I really appreciate and enjoy their ship designs for their sort of pseudo practicality and all that sort of stuff. But finding one that isn't just like... 3d printed or something can be really hard to to get and you know 3d printers are are getting better and better as as each generation you know kind of learns from the past one but um, to have like an actual manufacturer making toys again like that i think is really important and cool and i hope they i hope they do you know maybe not paint themselves into a modeling corner that eagle moss might have done but um you know get the good ones and the titan i mean it's a principal ship I'd love to see that out there. Yeah, for sure. That's that's one of the I mean, the Star Trek line of course is the biggest thing that I was I was sad to lose with Eagle Moss, but you know, their kind of burgeoning Stargate and Expanse lines mm-hmm. as well were really nice. And I never got one, but their Rosinante looked really good. Yeah. So well, one last little piece of news before we get to our discussion just came out moments kind of before we started recording and I had to put this down. Uh, Star Trek, the official Twitter account has just tweeted that on IMAX screens on April 19th only, they are going to be screening the final two episodes of Star Trek Picard back to back, plus a live stream Q&A with members of the cast. So this is U.S. only in nine cities. So unfortunately, Barry and I will not be attending we'll one be of these. We'll be booking flights tomorrow. And... <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I really do wish. Uh, I think the closest one to us would be, geez, what? Seattle, Washington, I guess. That's probably the closest one that we've got. But yeah, it's going to be in Phoenix, Los Angeles, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Orlando, Atlanta, Chicago, New York, Dallas, Fort Worth, and Seattle. So if you're in one of those areas, uh, grab tickets to that. That's one night only. Um, if you're a Trekkie in those cities, it's going to be a, a great ticket to get, I think. <laughs> well, given the gratuitous Starship sort of images and, and just the, the rich, rich texture-filled backgrounds that we've been getting. Uh, getting to see this on, on an IMAX screen would be oh. just what the doctor ordered. I would be 
down for that. 100%. Absolutely. And I feel like with the whole, you know, if you're watching Picard, you know, one thing they've been working up to over the past however many episodes is Frontier Day, where they've gathered the entire fleet. I mean, come on. I don't know what that's going to look like, but we need to see that on an IMAX screen, I'm sure. Yeah, even like the previous, like just like a they would sell tickets if they just did like a a 25 minute LeVar Burton reading rainbow style of him just like walking around his like his like Starfleet museum <laughs> i would i would actually there that's the new series reading rainbow but with Jordy LaForge talking about different starships he could do like a 25 episode run and like go through like three ships an episode i'm writing i am writing content for paramount right now <laughs> why are they not getting back to me Oh, I love it. Can you imagine Jordy LaForge's job at the Fleet Museum? Like for those of us who collect little model starships and build ships and stuff like that, he's the ultimate collector. He collects the real ships. Oh yeah. And then he's like, oh, th- I think today I'm going to work on the Enterprise A and just like go into the Enterprise A and do all his work from there that day. Yep. Oh, amazing. I want his job. I would sit on one of those like velour chairs in in Kirk's quarters. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) anyways, that's great. And if you're the, if you get the chance, please go, go for, for Dan and me. Just. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) If you don't, don't go for yourself. Go, go for Dan and me. Cause we would, we would go in a heartbeat. Oh man. I so wish that I could. Well, with that said, uh, let's talk the future of Star Trek after this brief break. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you so much for downloading this episode of Positively Trek. We truly do appreciate each and every one of our listeners, and I'd like to especially thank our Patreon supporters. Thank you to our Constitution Class supporters, Jim Stoffel, Joyce Marin, and Paul D. Kinnear. If you'd like to become a supporter of Positively Trek and join our crew, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can get early access to episodes, exclusive content, shoutouts, associate producer credits, ad-free episodes and more again that's patreon.com slash positively trek thank you all and live long and prosper 
So yeah, we've got a lot of, like we said, changes coming to Star Trek on television. We've had five series being made and being produced and being put out. And two of those are going to be ending. Of course, Picard is in its final season this year. Discovery's final season is going to air next year. What is the future of Star Trek going to look like? Now, we know one new show coming, but I'm pretty sure there's more on the way. And... You know, there's rumored ones, ones that they're hoping are still coming, but maybe aren't. I don't know. But there's got to be stuff that we haven't even heard of yet that they're working on. So uh, what? how does the future of Star Trek on TV look to you, Barry? A loaded question. Big question, I know, but... I, I think it looks... I think it looks positive. I don't think we're going to lose Star Trek anytime soon. And I think it's learning uh, as it goes, right? Uh, Like the Borg, the series and the writers seem to be adapting. Um, Because Star Trek Picard has gone in a lot of places, boldly, you could say, um, into a lot more self-effacing, self-referential humor that I think they learned from lower decks and have added it right there is a point and and this is where all the spoilers come like um you know like old picard another one of your um, what was it poetic like but vapid like drive poetic drive-by yeah poetic yeah. observational <laughs> drive-bys um there was that one or when um seven of nine it, like when the ship's dying and falling into the center of that that living nebula thing um, and it's like they're just hooped at this point and seven of nine still trying stuff and she goes and talks with Shaw and they attack the tech and then she's like oh we could tech the tech and he's like oh you could tech the tech and she's like well tech the tech and then she oh tech 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 and then she runs off and she's super excited and he just sort of rubs his his mouth and then he just goes whatever <laughs> and I just <laughs> I loved that because like you could just tell how absolutely he was like yeah no I'm gonna say exactly what you need so you can leave my face and and I loved it because you all, you know, Shaw, I think people have really grown to like that kind of character because I think he represents maybe a little bit more of the the passive Star Trek fan, the person who, you know, doesn't always need it that way, or, or maybe even the, the hardcore Star Trek fan who is looking for looking for that a little bit, you know, the, that's that self-awareness that comes from from good television, uh, I find uh, a certain level mm-hmm. of self-awareness. Now, you don't want too much of that. Um but I think they were able to really tread that line extremely well. The only thing that I haven't been able to find was any references or any kind of tongue-in-cheek references to um, Christopher Plummer with Vedic and, and Amanda Plummer. But maybe I'm just not looking hard enough. Definitely for like being bombastic and like theatrical and stuff. But the future of Star Trek basically is what I'm saying is in its ability to adapt. And I mean, there's been a lot, especially in the most recent episodes about like change and how you're still my friend, even though you've changed and everyone's different and time changes us. But it's nice to be here around this table or it's nice to plug you back in and get data. I really like how data created that logical fallacy in lore to keep himself alive as well. And we'll talk about that maybe in a bit too. And I, mm-hmm. I think maybe to some degree, Picard's a kind of a love letter to us as the sort of the, the aging fan base, right? Sadly, you and I are, are, are getting older each trip around the sun and something else breaks on me. It's basically preparing us. It's like, yeah, there's these things are going to end, right? We brought data back three times and this will be the last time that Brent Spiner will, will work with these people. I don't think Brent Spiner is done by a long shot and nor he, nor should he be. And I want to see Frakes behind the camera a lot more because that man can freaking direct. Yeah. I think Star Trek is going to adapt. It's going to change right jj verse was 
was what was needed in the time to keep things rolling, right? Um, Chrome Trek, as a friend of mine referred to it. And and that's great. And and we might see some other iterations, like you said, that we might not necessarily like. But, I mean, I don't know. I didn't like every episode of Deep Space Nine. That's okay. You know, I, am, I still haven't finished Voyager. And it has a lot to do with Robert Beltran's acting later on. It, I can just tell he doesn't <laughs> like anything or anyone. And it's really... Yeah. He, woo, Buddy, you're still getting paid. But anyway, so in that respect, I think Trek is going to have many more twists and turns. It's not safe and it's not in danger. Um, I think that they're going to try some new things. They're going to they're going to end these these two season series. Sorry, with some grace. At least I I, I expect them to. And uh, yeah, Star Trek will continue going. I think in a lot of ways. Yeah, for sure. You made some interesting points about Picard. I, I feel like. A very cynical take on Picard might be, here's all the member berries, here's all the people that we saw for all those years together again. Look, it's the Star Trek you remember. Like us, please. This is familiar. But I think they've threaded that needle really well with the story, with the whole moving on, and these people aren't the same people that we saw all those years ago, much to the consternation of some fans that do want everything to be in a stasis of sorts. Mm -hmm. But for example, Riker has been a husband and a father and a bereaved father for many more years than he was first officer on our television screens. Mm -hmm. And he's a completely different person because of it. Well, yeah. Jordy LaForge has been a father for longer than we ever saw him on his, on the television screens. He's completely different as well. And Beverly Crusher, I mean, more than anyone else has probably been shaped by things that have changed in her life for the last 20 years. So I do love that they're presenting these as, you know, these are the heroes you knew and loved, but they're real people who have changed and grown. And some people aren't responding well to that. But for me, I love that. I think it it shows a trust in the audience that will get that and uh, a kind of faith that this world is being treated as a real place with real people inhabiting it. And I think that's going to maybe open the doors to some new kind of villain hero relationships. Um, as I'd kind of mentioned, it is sort of an overdone trope to some degree, I find. Um, but at the same time, Amanda Plummer has really captured my attention. She's actually freaked me out in certain cases, the way she sort of glibly laughs at horrifying events she has done an extremely good job of making the character interesting and i really i bring up the trope idea because that has nothing to do with her as an actor she's come in and has made a very three-dimensional person who who you know i can sort of see her being mad <laughs> to some degree but that that kind of dark starfleet starfleet has been compromised sort of idea yeah that's been done a lot and so mm -hmm. with the characters coming in you know some people i've heard talk about like oh there's brent spiner wedging his way back in you know know data never dies oh well but it's like no he's actually like they brought him back i think the best possible way they could um, i really like the logic that they did with by giving lore these memories data basically implants himself and actually that is a um, a greater theory and it's sort of it takes away the concept of survival of the fittest. Um, it removes the zero sum from the game of of natural selection and makes it more the idea that it's 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 populations working in symbiosis, experiencing one another. And through that experience, they not only change the other, but they also change themselves, right? You think about if you picked up a pair right now, 
it's ripe and ready to eat and you took a bite out of it, you experience that pear. But through experiencing, you also alter it. But what you don't understand is also that that pear will alter you by your incorporation of its nutrients and vitamins and starches into your body itself. You are literally what you eat. And that's ultimately what turns lore into data. But it's not. It's He's an aggregate. And to think about it that way and what you'd said, um, Riker, Troy, Crusher, Picard, all of them are aggregates of these new experiences. So to expect them to be exactly the same would be like expecting them to have been exactly the same from season one to season seven. So anyone mm-hmm. who's resisting change at this point. What is this, Voyager? No, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. So I, I guess, yeah, to expect some kind of simulation to what was originally is, is I don't know, kind of wanting a simulacra of what can never be. Right. They even kind of wrote Data's aging Gollum character into it because, yeah, they just can't make Brett Spiner look like that anymore. He's not 25. He's still a Mm -hmm. really good actor. I have to say him shifting from the different characters through this series like Buddy's got chops. Like he yeah. goes from B4 to data to lore and he's like flipping his, like all of the little tiny muscles in his cheeks are shifting. You can see it happening. I'm like, what the crap? So again, like this is also showing us that these actors are nowhere near done if they don't want to be, which I think is great. Mm-hmm. So this means like maybe they move to the cinema. Yeah. I mean, I'd be all for that for sure. Yeah. I mean, in this discussion that I've kind of outlined a bit, we haven't even talked about films. Like, no, 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 who, exactly. Who knows <laughs> what the future might hold for sure. I really buy a lot of what Marina Sirtis's character is doing like as, as Troy, it, it's almost like for a little while, it seemed like I was worried they were just going to give her nothing to do. But mm-hmm. now she's become like practically integral. And I think that's some really good writing and a way to kind of create that ensemble uh, that the cast has always sort of had. Absolutely. I mean, seeing them all sitting around that conference table at the end and they didn't even have to directly call it out, but no. they did. And I, I think that was appropriate. Like it's been a long time since we all sat around a table like this too long. You know, I, I love that. That was wonderful. And it felt like I was at home, but again, with characters who are real, who have changed and grown and aren't just, you can't just put them back in their original positions because that's not who they are anymore. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think about some of my favorite Star Trek shows, episodes, whatever, you know, you think about uh, in Far Beyond the Stars. Mm-hmm. doesn't even take place on a ship. doesn't even take place in the 24th century, right? <laughs> or, you know, the inner light. It's it's not really much of anything in that respect by way of like, you know, ships going boom, boom or anything like that. A satellite, you know, basically just like pokes Picard's brain and and we get some of the greatest moral messages ever. And then finally, you know, like one of my favorite Star Trek movies, The Voyage Home, doesn't even take place on a on a Starfleet ship. They're they're in a Klingon uh, warbird or uh, bird of prey. Mm hmm. I think Star Trek can do more. It can adapt more. It can change. It can go in a lot of different directions. Wouldn't it be weird if they actually tried to go more in a direction of sort of like the Expanse style and go even further back and have them like learning how to fly Daedalus class ships, right? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's too much to ask, but I think just, I think really just letting letting things roll, I think is really important because we have all this interest and not necessarily, you know, allowing for schlock, but I think the good part is, is we've kind of made our message heard. And in a lot of cases, I've noticed that the writers have really responded to the the fans. And I think that's mm-hmm. really important because there's a dialogue taking place, almost as if, you know, that whole symbiosis thing I was talking about earlier, right? That we are making a fandom for ourselves in this, I think. 
Yeah. I, I think there's also an opportunity for a larger conversation kind of related to this about treks not taken, like things that they could have done in the past that, you know, we might have caught in wind of after the fact, that kind of thing. Your idea of them going further back in the past from watching The Expanse reminds me of what the initial plan for Star Trek Enterprise was, which that whole first season was going to be set on Earth with them gearing up to launch the first Warp 5 starship, and it's kind of going to be the right stuff, but in the Star Trek universe. Hmm. And I've recently been watching For All Mankind, which is a wonderful television series on Apple TV. Uh, Mike and Denise Okuda are you know, kind of uh, technical people working on that show. Ronald D. Moore is one of the main writers. It's excellent. And it just watching that makes me weep for that. We didn't get that. It's, it's like an alternate history of the space program and the space race. And, and it advances like a decade every season and stuff. And man, if we'd have gotten something like that for Star Trek, I can only imagine that like Ron Moore and some of the other creatives who are obviously big Star Trek fans are like working out their <laughs> muscles that they would have loved to have applied to the Star Trek universe, maybe. But, you know, instead doing this real world one, which is incredible as well. I think that's where, where Star Trek does need to kind of put its foot down a little bit. It's maybe trying a little bit to be something of a Marvel universe in some cases, whereas it's also, you know, obviously up against Star Wars. And, mm -hmm. you know, Star Wars has taken many twists and turns itself right the the sequels and the prequels and everything else um that's come from that i, I honestly wonder if perhaps you know we're we're kind of stuck in that place as, as star trek like we're not going to have the same obviously not the same following we don't have the resources uh, or at least you know paramount doesn't have the same resources that disney and marvel do or anything like that but i do think that ultimately we can maybe set down on that niche of of kind of something a little more I don't know what to what to say of it, but like deep dives like that, where you're saying like maybe the first season of Star Star Trek Academy or Starfleet Academy is them preparing for the exam, right? There's no space time recorded whatsoever, and instead, what what they're doing is they're they're going through moral you know moral tests and and you know trying to figure each other out so that by the second season you know throw them into like something crazy right like maybe the dominion war starts right and then now now their metal gets tested right something like that um but mm -hmm. i guess that's the thing is the sky's the limit it just depends on how much risk the writers want to take and and to some degree i wonder if sometimes the member berries and everything is is a really good way and a non-threatening way to get away with poor storytelling and mm -hmm. i'm not saying that that's the case with picard i think they've balanced that really well um though they've relied on some tropes but maybe that's kind of a member berry in itself but i i do think that the more risk you take obviously the more likely you're not going to get the same kind of return but like i want rewatchable trek and and I think that's the most important part is is Star Trek that you can go back to and and watch again and enjoy um, is always really really important to me. And again, not to say that that hasn't happened in New Trek, but um, it could happen more. Well, one of the things that gives me a bit of hope in some of the regards of of what we're talking about with taking risks and doing different things and and new and interesting things is that announcement from a few weeks ago where Alex Kurtzman was kind of talking about the possibility of limited series mm -hmm. or maybe made for TV movies and that kind of thing. I feel like 
there would be a lot more freedom to kind of experiment and do some some strange and different things, kind of like Short Treks was, but maybe on a slightly larger scale. For example, one of the things that was talked about a few years ago was the Nicholas Meyer SETI Alpha 5 series. Now we know that they're going forward with that, producing it as a, a, a fiction podcast kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really curious to see what format that, what that looks like and, and what form that takes. And are there other stories that could be told in different mediums, not just television, not just books or comics, but other media as well. That could be really interesting, but even just a four episode limited series all about the founding of the Federation or, or something, right. Or mm-hmm. the Romulan war or some corner of the Dominion War that we didn't know was happening at the same time, or something, maybe the Cardassian border conflicts, Miles, young Miles O'Brien on the Rutledge, or so, you know, who yeah. knows? Like, there's so many different areas of Star Trek, and I realize everything I listed sounds very combat heavy, and that's not my favorite part of Trek, I swear, but for some reason, that's where my brain went. Well, interestingly that you mentioned this, um, and this is totally a recommendation to, to listeners as well. We, we haven't been approached by these folks, or I don't even know if I've mentioned this to Dan yet, but there's a, a, a game I've been playing on my phone. It's an app game, but it's basically it's a turn-based, um, dialogue-based role-playing game where you hmm. are the president of a fictional country, and uh, the, the game is called Suzerain, um, S-U-Z-E-R-E-I-N, which uh, if you are a vassal, right, someone who is in who is being controlled by someone, you're the vassal of someone, um, the actual title or honorific for that person would be the Suzerain. Um, so it's a really difficult word to say and to spell, but if you can find it, yeah, you're basically the president in the early 1950s of a fictionalized country in a fictionalized world with you know uncanny similarities to our own right uh, you're the president of a country called swordland um and it's got kind of a russia british-esque country near it and an italy slash latin american country-esque country near it a, a very sort of on the nose iraq style country that you're near and there's the ato instead of nato and then there's like a like a communist pack and, and it's this whole thing and like there's like apparently like nine major endings and like 15 sub endings and all these other sorts of things that can happen but something that in depth it reads like a novel i've i've gone through the game this will be my third playthrough that i do kind of just before bed and stuff and you make big decisions and like even like small decisions and i just think like that could be trekified so if there's anyone out there who knows how to make an app game talk to me let's write something this would be fun <laughs> that sounds awesome yeah yeah <laughs> copyright copyright anyways um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think i think there are other media that that we as um star trek fans can can delve into um something like an app game that's turn-based dialogue based would be something obviously that i'm already consuming as a as sort of a history nerd and whatnot but um I think it's, I think, yeah, exploring more than just television, realizing that the box office isn't as, as it once was, and that streaming is about rewatching. Streaming is about binging. Streaming is about really enjoying the stuff you like to see. So yeah, take it in a couple of different directions. Well, it kind of remains to be seen what they might do with, with formats other than, you know, a season at a time television show. But that said, as far as official announcements, that's what we have for the near future. So just this year alone, after Picard's over, we've got in June, Star Trek Strange New World Season 2. Season 3 has been announced. It's currently filming. 
Uh, in the summer, we've got Lower Decks Season 4 coming, and then Winter Star Trek Prodigy Season 2, with the final season of Discovery coming next year in 2024. So that's kind of what we have on the board as of right now. I totally missed the mark when I thought there was going to be some big announcement coming on First Contact Day. Of course, as we mentioned earlier, we didn't get that. But I still feel like there are other big announcements coming. Starfleet Academy, of course, as we know, is filming next year, so not sure when that'll be released. Probably 2025 would be my guess mm -hmm. for when we first see that on the screens. There's other question marks, too. So Strange New World Season 3 is a sure thing. Star Trek Section 31, anyone? Are we tired of hearing about that yet? Yeah. Are we, you know... Alex Kurtzman was asked and he said they're still, quote, very excited by it. Read into that what you will. I don't know. But putting that aside, putting a pin in that. Yeah. Star Trek Legacy is kind of the hashtag buzzword that's been floating about. Terry Metalis, the showrunner for Picard Season 3, has said if he had the chance to make a show to follow up Picard... That's what he would call it. And here are some brief ideas of what he would do. What are your thoughts on this? Well, yeah, when I heard uh, Terry Natalis basically kind of floating the idea that he'd like to sink his teeth into this, I think he's definitely the right person for the job in a lot of ways. Uh, he could wind up um, exploring some other captains. He could wind up maybe taking things in that kind of short treks direction. A lot of really, lot of really good things could could come from that. So, I'm hopeful. And and you kind of sort of mused, I think, in our conversation that this could do something like yeah, like a revisit, you know, Captain Janeway doing something, or you know, even like look at Sulu, right? I'm sure George K would be down for for an episode to kind of do that, like those little bits. Um, that they could return to and then maybe even explore further, right? Like do do something with Shaw, um, uh, for instance, could, could be a thing. So who knows? Definitely. Well, one of the things I kind of wonder is, you know, at Paramount, they're, they're thinking long-term, right? They're looking at long-term plans and how they want to do things. We've got in live action where we, ha we have had three series, we're going to be down to one and then two when Starfleet Academy comes along. If you add Star Trek Legacy to that, that gives us our three back to kind of where we've been at. And part of me wonders if they're kind of playing the spread a little bit. So there's some things in this Starfleet Academy announcement which point very obviously to the 32nd century, right? The mm. press release says for the first time in a hundred years, the Academy is open and accepting new cadets. That to me feels like this is where that's set. Mm. Could be wrong, but I, I'd be willing to put money on it at this point. So 32nd century show with Starfleet Academy, 23rd century show with Strange New Worlds, and Star Trek Legacies following up to Picard would kind of scratch that 25th century itch there. So, and I mean, there's a lot of ifs and a lot of buts kind of going into this, but if that is the plan, do you think that's kind of where they're going is, is wanting to have kind of those three flagship shows representing the three big eras that they have in Star Trek television right now? Potentially. I mean, I think about, um, one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek is Master and Commander of the Far Side of the World, and that yes. takes place in, <laughs> in early 19th century sailing. Well, the, the age of sailing still had almost 100 years to go, 
before it really started getting taken out by you know the ironclads and and all these other sort of steam steamships and whatnot right from from 1804 you know i guess like 60 60 70 years to go still uh and before that i mean you would find people on on you know different types right from the caravel you know to the man of war um but if you go earlier and stuff you've got like carracks and and cutters and all these like smaller ships and stuff but the age of sailing i mean has been going since you know ancient Greece and 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 even before that I mean Zheng He, um, a a Chinese uh, naval uh, commander for one of the emperors I think almost circumnavigated the globe or at least came close to it. Um, so I mean if you think about how much time I think we as a, as a species will spend in space I mean I like the ship variations I like how they they kind of play that out. Um, it's interesting as well because they're like this could end the Federation forever and it's like aha but something's happening in the 32nd century um, <laughs> so I wonder sometimes if time can be an issue there but I hope so I hope they kind of create you know these kind of pillared uh, sec- segments where they can they can draw Star Trek lore uh, from and expand on the canon yeah I feel like that would be kind of an interesting way to go I mean it limits the marketing of crossover potential I guess but yeah. you know uh, lower decks and Strange New Worlds are separated by a century and they're not letting that stop them. So, you know, it's Star Trek. There's always ways, I guess. Right. I mean, Star (laughs) Trek's been on Futurama before, so they'll they'll transcend anything. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) A couple other things that I wanted to mention about Starfleet Academy that I didn't mention in the news segment. uh, One of which I'm really excited about. Tawny Newsome of Star Trek Lower Decks is actually in the writer's room of starfleet academy she announced so i'm really excited about that and it like makes me reevaluate the level of irreverence there might be in this show (laughs) and that's what's got season three of picard going so well is the fact that it's got Mm -hmm. a certain amount of irreverence and and i mean i love i love just recently like to figure out whether or not you're a changeling they just badmouth each other on whether or not picard's wine is good Right. As a running joke, I want to put together like a compilation of the number of times Chateau Picard has been maligned this season. Right. In Picard. It's so funny. I think that's the best running joke. Didn't he refer to Jordy's taste in wine as pedestrian? Pedestrian at best. Yeah. (laughs) He's real. (laughs) That's him. (laughs) Um, Worf calling it sour mead. Yes. Sour mead. That was so great. (laughs) Sour mead. Chateau Picard. It is quite tart, sir. <laughs> it is quite tart. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, man. Yeah, irreverence. I mean, that's fun. Yeah, like we all, I mean, that's the thing is we're Star Trek fans. We're not, we are not the caricatures that the Big Bang Theory has made us out to be. Be funny. Take, mm-hmm. Don't take it seriously. We're not going to well actually you. Even though I did earlier in the episode about the whole space stock thing, but, <laughs> but just... We are beset by our paradoxes, we Trek fans. But anyways, <laughs> irreverence we is good. contain multitudes. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> at least I can look back at it and then become irreverent myself and be like, well, that wouldn't actually happen. Um, but that's the thing, right? And then you're like, well, actually, maybe it would. And I'm like, oh, come on. Um, but that's the thing, right? That's But that's what gets us talking. It's not in, the, in a way that we're going to like call them out at uh, at some con or anything like that. If anything, we're, we're going to laugh about it and, and, and enjoy, right? Laughing and enjoying and having fun is what I watch Star Trek for um and being being inspired and and reflective and stuff like that so as long as they keep that going i'm willing to accept pretty much anything they'll throw at me and and see how it goes right and and i haven't liked Mm -hmm. everything and we don't think we ever have to so here's to another you know 
another couple of years of, of some solid trek, and then we'll see where it goes from there. Here, here. Well, let's open it right up then for the end of this conversation. If you were at Paramount and you wanted to get your Star Trek series made, what would you want? What do you want on the slate? And sky's the limit. Well, I just said I, I would make that app game. Uh, 100%. I would make a story-based app game with like 50 different endings. Um, it would be super encompassing. Artwork would be, you know, uh, I try maybe kind of go with more of a, a retro 60s style just for the heck of it. Maybe even connect it to like some VR game that, that you know, like do like Star Trek Bridge Crew or something like that. But uh, I always like imagining myself on the bridge and what better way to do that than to uh, to, to kind of play into it a little bit more in that respect. So that, that would actually be mine, would be making the story, making like a story game. That's pretty cool. I'd be uh, first to beta test that for sure. <laughs> well, I'd, I'd have you in the writer's room with me. Yes. Awesome. Now, what about yourself? I mean, this is an answer I've given a few times in the past. I think there's a lot of potential for it. There's a great novel by Keith R.A. DeCandido called Articles of the Federation. And it's like the, the kind of top down view of politics in the Federation. And I mean, I know that's not everybody's cup of tea, but... An organization made up of 150 member worlds, like what do the politics of that look like? Like how do you keep everybody happy and part of this organization for the greater good? And what are the kind of day-to-day issues that would come up for the leaders of the Federation? You know, whether they're campaigning to to be elected or just worried about you know, uh, a Bajoran refugee crisis or something like that. Like, I would love to see the big picture of the Federation. You know, what we get of starships would be, you know, the occasional calling out to some starship that's on the frontier dealing with some situation, but it would be mostly just a big map with names on it and dealing with it from that level. I think that could be a lot of fun. I feel like it'd be a challenging series to write, to make that believable. I think there's a reason we haven't really explored what the politics of the Federation look like in depth, but I think with the right writers at the helm, it could be really fascinating and a lot of fun. So if I'm following you kind of like a Starfleet West Wing? Mm-hmm. Similar, Ooh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I'd be down for that. That would be, and again, that that plays into my my game idea uh, to some degree. You could even do it from that level because, I mean, in, mm-hmm. this, in this one I was talking about, you're the president of an entire country, um, <clears throat> but... Yeah, I, I think I think going into those sort of deeper, more, you know, textury explorations are something that, you know, I think most of us would be interested in watching. Now, the problem is, is, is that marketable, right? That's always the big question. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start saying, you know what, try, because who knows? Yeah, and that might be the absolute perfect situation for a four episode miniseries or something like it doesn't have to be a series that runs for five seasons 10 episodes a season you know you have to come up with a new big galactic thread every season that they're going to be dealing with it could be just you know a week in the life of federation politics at a big turning point in the galaxy or or not even Mm -hmm. and just what happens in that situation room what happens in that you know, whatever their equivalent of 
the Oval Offices, whatever their equivalent of the Canadian Parliament is. Yeah. Like what's going on in each of those places? Yeah. I think that would be so much fun. So to you Star Trek writers out there, don't worry. Don't rush. We're patient. Take it slow. We're a slow burn audience, right? You're going to turn a profit, but it's it's one of those like slow wait and see uh, mutual funds, right? We don't we don't have the soaring uh, box office, you know, the new Mario movies come out and everyone's going to watch it. But like we're, we're not going to just be that fickle and just buy everything and then disappear, right? Like you can work on us over a really long period of time and get get all those pieces but if you take that extra bit of time let the writers stretch their legs a bit um, stretch their minds and really get into some interesting stuff uh, we're, we're typically here for it so uh, yeah that's that's what i'm hopeful for as well 100 percent, awesome well we would also love to hear from our listeners what are your thoughts on the future of star trek as it currently stands what would you like to see let us know positively trek at gmail.com we'd love to get an email from you and also of course on facebook the positively trek discussion group will have a discussion thread below this episode post sound off let us know we'd love to hear doesn't matter how wild or crazy your idea is it's star trek there's room for wild and crazy we're here for it 100 percent. well thank you all so much for listening we really do appreciate you uh patreon.com slash positively trek if you'd like to help out the show and until our next episode as always stay positive This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.